to 15. Uh, this morning is Pentecost Sunday, so who knows what could happen? Right? If you did it before, you can do it again. I'm going to say amen to that point to myself. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21 says this, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, it came in that woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. This is not the way to do evangelism. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, a woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. We are living in a very exciting day. Um, I believe the church is entered into an open season of faith and expectation that God is eager to pour out His Spirit, God is eager to meet with us, God is eager to heal, God is eager to set free, God is eager to save. He always has been, but it feels like He's a whole lot more eager right now. And I want to encourage you in a season where we get to ask God for incredible breakthroughs. I was just uh, ministering at... Um, Causeway Coast video this last weekend with Katia and we were part of an incredible conference there where God really put out his spirit in some remarkable ways. How many of you know that as Christians we're part of a supernatural kingdom? And whenever the kingdom is manifested, supernatural things begin to break out, supernatural things begin to happen. And numbers of people reported to not only seeing but hearing angels sing with us as we were worshipping, which is outstanding as the presence of God began to break in. And there were significant breakthroughs and healings, numbers of people just getting healed in their seats, responding to words of knowledge as God broke in. Uh, and numbers of people getting saved and, and responding to the good news of Jesus. And this church, I believe, is in an incredible move of God. They're, they're in the beginnings of what I believe is going to be a significant move of God in this land. And they've seen over 700 people respond to the gospel in the last 90 days. Praise this God. is in the United Kingdom. I'm just going to give you a little opportunity as a community. I love being part of this community, but I want us just to take literally just uh, 10 seconds to celebrate what folks do in there because what you celebrate, you get. And so 700 people responding to the gospel on the streets in Northern Ireland is something to celebrate. And, and breakouts. So we, we were in 
in, in the Netherlands, believe it or not. And I should look at a city called Maastricht, one of the, the oldest city in the Netherlands. And there's an eight-year-old boy who's standing in the second row and as God began to move, and in response to a prayer for healing, he, he suddenly bolts out of the room, runs around the building a couple of times, comes right back in, and simply declares, my asthma is gone, I just believe it. I was teaching just recently in uh, a Bible school in uh, North Kent and uh, just an incredible time, school supernatural in North Kent, just an incredible time of outpouring uh, in, in that context. And God gave me a word of knowledge to someone uh, who'd been waiting for a particular financial breakthrough. Um, she's a Kenyan lady who uh, ministers in the UK and in Kenya and she's been waiting for a breakthrough uh, in the inheritance that was due to her and they've been wrestling for over three and a half years to get this. It was 165,000 shillings. I brought a word of knowledge about that. And um, I got him to stand up and said, Well, we're going to declare some breakthrough today. That somehow something significant is going to shift so that this money that's due to you will come to you. Well, an hour later, she jumps up in the middle of my lecture and says, I just got a text from my husband. The judge has ruled in favor to us. And he's going to pay all of the last three and a half years worth of interest. And it's like we're in a season where it's just easy. Um, this week I, I just got a tweet and I was so excited to see that two people responded to the gospel on the streets of Bedford. it begins to multiply into harvest. Amen. And something needs to move from us that we begin to understand something that our, our God's goodness and His eagerness. And, and the thing that gets me particularly about what's happening in Coleraine, and, and even for us, really, because we're seeing something. We're seeing something of the new of God. People are getting saved every week in this church. And yes. I want to encourage you, bring your friends. This is an open season. <laughs> bring your friends to church. Let's get, them, let's get them encountering Jesus. This is an open season. And one of the things that gets me, uh, uh, particularly about this church in Coleraine, is that God spoke to him so clearly. He said, if you take care of the lost, I'll take care of the church. Amen. If you take care of the lost, I'll take care of the church. And I want to provoke us as a community. We're in a season of our poor. We don't have to ask him anymore. We just need to ask some people. <laughs> they, they have a thing called the miracle question, which really is, would you like to meet Jesus? Very simple, not difficult. We're in a season where God is outpouring, pouring out His Spirit. We're in, a, we're in an ever-increasing Pentecost. And I want to encourage you, what could happen if you simply step on and believe Him? And I love this text because this woman is a woman who is defined by great faith. There's something about her that intrigues Jesus. Jesus only ever speaks of great faith of one other person in the Bible, and that's a centurion. He says to, he says to uh, the disciples, this woman has great faith. I want to be amongst those who live 
in the place of great faith. Yeah. <laughs> you experience and demonstrate great faith. And if I have to be honest, I'm probably a bit like the disciples. You know, Jesus rebukes his disciples for their lack of faith. Uh, Jesus says, hold on a minute, you don't actually know what faith is about. He rebukes the Pharisees and their religious laws and their programs. You see, that's got nothing to do with faith. And, and if I had admit, I'm probably a little bit schizophrenic in my believing of God. Sometimes it's like, I, I know he's going to do it. Other times I'm just thinking, let's hope and pray. <laughs> um, I, if, if you're a little bit like that, but sometimes I live in this tension of, of, of being between two places of expectation. And, and I'm in, increasingly beginning to discover that God wants faith to grow in my heart. Not to go up and down, but to grow. It's ever increasing faith. And I want to be someone who lives in the place of incredible faith. And Jesus, in some context, heals because of a response to faith, doesn't he? He, he says your faith has made you well to one particular one. And then he goes into a particular context where he can do no mighty work except heal a few people. There's something about faith. In, in, in the interaction with God and man that God loves. In fact, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And, and there's something about living in the expectation of great faith. There's something about living in the expectation that God can do anything and probably will. Yes. And he's eager to pour out his that he's eager to heal, that he's eager to save, that his arm is not too short. To say, and it's not too weak to show his power. And I love this woman because she exemplifies great faith. And the first thing that I love, there are two statements that I love that she makes in this context. The first one is, is about recognizing the messianic presence of God's kingdom in, in, in her midst. And the second one is the one that she says, even the dogs get the crumbs from their master's table. And it's something about this woman when she approaches Jesus. And the first thing she says, she says, have mercy on me. I love that bit because actually, she's not just contending for her daughter who's, who's incredibly bound by an oppressive and evil spirit, but she's contending for a breakthrough in her life because she's got to the end of her tether. She's exhausted, she's tired, she's no what more to do. She says, I need this breakthrough as much as my daughter. And she comes to Jesus and she says, um, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. It's incredible because what she's seeing is something incredibly prophetic and profound. She's seeing something of who Jesus is, even beyond that which the disciples have clearly recognized up until this point. She recognizes that this man carries the messianic promise. There's something of the Holy Spirit that is on him, that is about the kingdom of God. And she would have remembered as a Canaanite woman what Israel's God is like, that he is the mighty deliverer, because she would have known in her country's history that these people from Israel once came in and conquered their land simply through a shout. They conquered the land of Canaan just through a shout, just through kingdom breaking out, just through demonstrations of God's power on their behalf. She would have known about Rahab, the prostitute, who hid the spies away. And because of that, because of her act of faith, Israel's God was good to Rahab. She would have known about that woman that the prophet Elijah walked up to 
and she gave me some food, and this woman was incredible need. She was, was, was about to die. In fact, she already resolved in her mind and in her heart that she was going to die. She was going to have a last meal, and then her and her son would die. This widow in Israel, she, she knew about this God who bypassed Israel and used Elijah to go to a woman in the land of Sidon. And God broke in. And she would have known some of that history. She would have been a reminder of that history. And then she recognizes that this is the son of David. Now the son of David is an incredible term. It's a messianic term. It's a term speaking of the king and his anointed one. And how he would rule and reign with his empowering spirit resting upon his king. And she would remember David at the height of his reign being recognized as the anointed one. And so when she sees Jesus, she's saying, you are the king. You are the resident, you, you, you are the, the anointed one. You are the Christ. You're the one who's carrying the promise that through Israel, all of the nations will be blessed. So she's standing and thinking, I'm a nation. I'm going to get some of this blessing. She recognizes who Jesus is. You see, one of the chief things that I've begun to discover about faith it's not about how hard I believe. It's not about how high I look at believing. It's in who I believe. Right. It's true. You see, the connection factor for faith is about a person. Truth in the Bible is never a set of rules. It's never a doctrine. It's never a theology. It's a person. And when we understand that, we begin to live in the overflow of expectation. Because when you get to know Jesus, you realize he's real good. Amen. You realize he's incredible. You realize this one who conquered death, who overcame sin, who was ascended, who was raised from the dead, ascended last city, seated at the right hand of the Father. This one is the one that we put our trust in. It's in him. I don't have to pop a blood vessel and try to believe. I don't have to try and convince God to do something as if he's less compassionate than me. I simply need to rest in the fact that Jesus has conquered the grave. That he is seated at the right hand of the Father. It's finished. And I live from the place of knowing that everything that is needed to make my life godly and to live in the overflow of faith is found in a person called Jesus. It's so liberating. That means I don't have to have faith in faith. I don't have to try and work it up. I don't have to shout louder as if God's dead. I simply need a rest. And he's Faith flows out of that place. It flows out of the place of knowing that he's good. In. And this woman would have known about Israel's deliverance that God raised up to deliver Israel out of the hand of the enemy again and again and again. And she sees Jesus and she says, You're the son of David. I can see the same thing on you. You must be a deliverer. There's something incredible about that. And that propels her. That propels it to be a little bit cheeky in this context. That propels it to be a little bit forceful and say, I'm not going to settle for second best, but I'm going to expect that this deliverer will deliver me. One of the things I love about faith is that faith doesn't operate in the context simply of formula. 
of me trying to work it all out, of me having five steps to grab faith. No, faith operates out of the overflow of relationship with Jesus. When I get to know Him, faith begins to grow, faith begins to change. And I can just imagine this woman expecting something of this Jesus. She would have known that this Jesus was a friend of sinners. And if you're not a Christian leader, I would encourage you, the incredible thing about starting your life with Him is simply resting in what He's already done for you, that He has forgiven your sins, that He's wiped away all of the wrongdoing that's held against you. What you need to do right now is respond to all that He's done for you. That He wants to wipe away, to acknowledge that I've done wrong and He's done right. And everything changes. Faith starts at that point. Faith starts at that point. We're in confidence that He's alive because of what we're seeing Him do on planet Earth today. And not only that, because of all that He is to us. This is an experiential Jesus, not just an intellectual Jesus. And she presses into Jesus and He does some really awkward things. I mean, this must have been one of those moments of serious awkwardness. Where you're sitting there thinking, awkward. Oh, I was one of the disciples over there, this is really not working out for her, is it? Because she comes to Jesus and uh, she asks Jesus something, and Jesus just seemingly ignores her. One would think that Jesus is trying to be horrible to her, but what Jesus is doing here is not so much about this woman as much as it is about revealing the heart attitude of the disciples. You see, Jesus was not allowed to talk to a woman, let alone a Canaanite woman. Canaanites and Jews just didn't mix. Canaanites were down on the bottom uh, uh, rank of the ladder. They, they were not as, as cool as, as Jews. They were not as, as, as valued as Jews. And Jews, in their estimation, thought that Canaanites, some of them were less than dogs. And so when Jesus relates to her, he uses this particular racist and preached his attitude to expose the attitudes that are still lurking in the hearts of the disciples. Because what he does is he just simply silence, one of those awkward silence, and uh, he just simply stands there, and then this woman comes in, and she says, have mercy, he keeps quiet, and then the disciples say, get rid of her, she's arrogant with us. And he exposes something, and at the end we see Jesus celebrate this woman, because of her faith, because of her persistence. And sometimes defense will act as a stumbling block of faith to people. Sometimes God will allow offense, whether it's an intellectual offense. How many of you know that faith doesn't come by your intellect? Faith operates in the realm of the unseen, which is why Hebrew says, it's by faith we understand that the world was created. We don't understand and then have faith. For many people, one of the stumbling blocks to ever increasing faith is an intellectual stumbling block that says, I need to understand before I can believe. When actually the truth is, believing comes before understanding. Mm -hmm. And not only that, God uses packaging that seems weird, like this woman who is seemingly a dog in the Jewish culture, and he exposes the precious heart of the disciples because this gospel has always been meant for everyone. This good news has always been meant for everyone, for, for the Jew and the Gentile. God has spoken to Abraham that through you, the all the nations 
will be blessed. It's always been God's intention that through the people of the Jewish nation, God would bless the nations. And she knows that and goes after him, but the disciples with their prejudice do not want that to happen. And God exposes their hard hearts because this good news touches everyone. And this woman comes back to him and says, I don't care about the offense. I'm going to go through. Sometimes the offense says, well, God, why haven't you healed me yet? I'm still waiting for my breakthrough. I, I suffer with, he, with sickness in my own body and I'm trusting God for healing. And, and the, the offense can be, God, you haven't done it on my time. You haven't healed me right now. Why is it not happening? When are you going to heal me? And I begin to realize that faith requires me to believe what I already know to be true of God, not what I don't understand about God. And so I'm choosing to live in the place knowing that sooner or later his kingdom is going to break out on my body. And I hope it's going to be today. I'm living with an expectation that today could be the day. Why? Because I know he's good. And I know he's working on my behalf to see that goodness manifested in my life. It, it could be the packaging. Sometimes God allows an offense in packaging. The packaging doesn't fit our style. And so we, we miss our opportunity for breakthrough, for healing, for, for freedom, because we expect God to operate in a particular way, in a particular shape, and if He doesn't do it like that, we don't, ex we don't want healing from Him. There's something about God allowing offense to offend our mind in order to reveal what's in our hearts. Since God allows that, because he wants to get rid of your heart, because he's more interested in you becoming more like Jesus. He gets rid of the junk, he gets rid of the rubbish, he gets rid of the offense, and breakthrough comes. And sometimes we need to change the way we think, because sometimes unbelief is dressed up as wisdom or maturity. When actually faith always operates in the realm of the impossible. It means that when we face a situation that is impossible, that's the moment we choose to believe. And this woman presses right through that offense to get to Jesus. And she says to Jesus, but even the dogs get some of the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus says in, in Mark, in Luke's gospel, for this statement, I'm going to heal your daughter. Why? Because this woman recognizes something about Jesus. She recognizes that this man is intrinsically good and any benefit she gets from his goodness is all because of his kindness and grace toward her. She doesn't deserve it. She's out of the promise of Israel. She's not part of the covenant people of God. She doesn't deserve anything. And anything she gets from his table is an act of grace. The word dog here that is used is literally a little lap dog. And Jesus is borrowing an analogy from the Greek community around him, the Canaanite community around him, where rich people would have their little dogs sitting on their lap at the table, and whatever was left over, the little choice morsels, would be given to the dog. In Jewish culture, they would never have dogs because they were considered unclean, almost as unclean as pigs. And so he's intentionally borrowing a cultural example for her to relate to. And he says, she says, do you know what? I don't care whether you're calling me a dog. I know that those little lap dogs get something good from the master's table. Here's the incredible thing. 
she realizes that there's some good bread on the table that Jesus has set. That healing is the children's bread. That breakthrough is the food that we get to live on. That his, his word is the very bread of life. She realizes something of, of, of what God has laid out and she says, I want in on that and I'm willing to wait for the crumbs. She realizes this one thing. He's good. And it's all by grace that she gets to enjoy his goodness. For many of us, we think faith is about how hard we have to work. For many of us, we think that faith is about how hard we have to try. The reality is, your heavenly Papa has got an incredible table prepared for you. And not only that, you're not like a dog, you're a son, so that you get to eat as much as you want from that table. That's the good news. You get to sit at the table as a son. And you get to enjoy the food that drops from his table. You get to eat as much as you want. You see, the connecting factor to faith and ever-increasing faith is an ever-increasing revelation of his grace and his goodness. If you want more faith, you need to enjoy more grace. If you want more faith, it's by grace through faith. That's, that's how it works. And for many of you, you've hit a particular impasse, you've hit a particular difficult phase, you've hit a particular place, and you're saying, God, I need some breakthrough. How am I going to get breakthrough? Well, I want to encourage you. Faith sees the promise and pulls the promise from the future into the now. Faith realizes what God has already given to you right now. It's the evidence of what you are hoping for. So when you step out in faith, everything that you hope for begins to become reality where you are. And God wants to break that out on you now. Do we get everything in one go? I don't know, I don't know how it all works, but what I do know is that faith pleases Him. And this faith that this woman recognized that He is good, and that He can bless me, and that I don't care what I get from Him, I want something from Him, is the kind of faith that God's looking for from us today. That we go, you are good. And because you are good, I'm expecting my community to change. Because you are good, I'm expecting my workplace to change. Because you are good, I'm expecting salvation to come to my heart. Because you are good, I'm expecting healing to break up. Because you are good, I'm expecting the breakthroughs that you promised. See, this woman is recorded as having great faith. Because she realizes that the master's table has got some good food. You know your heavenly father has prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. See, the joy for us is that Jesus is the bread of life who was broken for us so that we can confidently expect the promise of new creation to break in on us in every part of our life. It's all of grace. It's simply about resting and knowing that He's good and pressing in, leaning in to the one that we know is good, so that His goodness will be displayed. Taste and see that the Lord 
need to equip us with expectation of incredible change in every area. Let me just close your eyes for a moment. You might be here today and you've never experienced worship like this. You've never experienced um, the presence of God quite like you had this morning. You might be saying to yourself, I've never seen a community like this. Well, we're a community who know our sins are forgiven. We're a community who knows that our conscience has been cleansed because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And I want to take the moment to introduce you to Jesus. And if you don't know Him, if you don't know what it's like to have your sins forgiven, if you don't know what it's like to know that your home is heaven and that you can change earth because of that, if you don't know that right now, God wants to invite you um, to come to Him. And so every eye closed, no one looking around, I'm not going to call you up to the front. I'm simply going to ask you that at the end of the meeting, uh, you go to the message of Jesus banner on my left and your right. Someone's going to be there just to chat with you and help you understand the decision that you've made. Like if you don't know Jesus, I want to ask you quickly to put up your hand. I just want to see by way of implication that you're saying, do you know what, I want to respond to His grace. I want to respond to Him right now. Just quickly put up your hand. No one looking around. I'm not going to take very long for this because God wants to bring some healing today to you. Thank you for putting up your hand. Anybody else you want to respond? Have one person put up their hand. Believe God wants to touch some more people. Anybody else? If you're hearing people responding to God, don't worry about that. Sometimes God moves like that. If you've ever put your finger into a plug hole, there's electricity that gives you a shock. Some people are just responding to the power of God. He's the most powerful being in the universe. Is there anyone else before I, before I close this down? If you don't want to put up your hand right now, but you say, you know what, I want to find out more, please go to the message of Jesus about it anyway, because someone will be able to talk to you and introduce you to some more. Thank you for that person who put up your hand. Please we do that. Thank you, Lord. Now, I believe God wants to heal people. We've got five minutes. Five minutes where we're going to see God display His presence and His power. You guys ready for that? Yeah. Many of you, I, I don't want to just restrict this to healing, um, but I want to go for people who need some breakthrough. You maybe felt like your faith has, has waned. You feel like you're in a place where you say, you know what, I, I'm kind of like a blind man saying, Lord, help my faith, help my unbelief. Um, I've got faith for help and I believe. Right now, I want to ask you if you need a specific breakthrough. Won't you quickly just stand to your feet, whether it's healing, emotional breakthrough, maybe some of you being oppressed. I feel like the numbers of you who are struggling with depression. We've just seen someone get set free from depression the last two weeks. Fully set free. Maybe it's a financial breakthrough. I want to say we're in a season where God is eager to break breakthrough. How many of you sense His presence here right now? I want you to just lift your hands very quickly. Some of you guys are going to break the, the expectation barrier that you're going to learn to believe Him for more because He's good. He's really good. He's really good. And so Holy Spirit will invite you right now in Jesus' head. If you're sick in your body, put your hand on the place where you're sick. If you've got pain right now, just get ready to Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over every sickness. If you are on the ministry team at King's Arms, I'd ask you to be praying. If you're not, please.
start praying. You're not on the ministry team at King Thompson, you're not praying for anyone. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we release your anointing and your power right now all across this room. And we take authority over sickness, we take authority over infirmity. And in Jesus' name, we declare healing and break the pain go. We release the kingdom of God here, right now, in power in Jesus' name. We command deaf ears to be open, blind eyes to see. We command shoulders, joints, and immobility to be healed right now. And for those who need breakthrough right now, whether it be financially, whether it be uh, emotionally, whether it be freedom of any kind, right now we declare that the Spirit of the Lord is here. And when the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And so in Jesus' name, I release your presence and your power all across the room to bring freedom right now, to bring healing, to bring deliverance right now in Jesus' name, and to bring mighty breakthroughs, quantifiable breakthroughs even this week, that people will be able to say, this week, God broke through on my behalf. And so we release a revelation of your goodness and your grace to every single person in this place. And they would know that you are good and that you want to do them good. And so in Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit, rest upon your people, release joy for the journey. Release your goodness, your mercy in every area right now. Shall we be your feet the Holy Spirit come upon you? He's just touching you right now, that's okay. Some of you are sensing joy begin to well up as you begin to realize that the breakthrough is within arm's reach. And this is the season. Some of you are feeling freedom as emotional struggles are lifting off of you right now. Some of you that have been eating breakthroughs in your sleep patterns, there's breakthrough right now. Some of you have been eating breakthrough in, in, in different areas of your life. In most of you, there's breakthrough right now. Don't worry about the shouting. That's just a sign of God bringing freedom to people as things begin to look up and break more. Father, release your goodness. Bring a revelation of your goodness. Fill your people. Every word of darkness, it goes right now in Jesus' name. And we say that freedom reigns in this place. Okay, if you are sick in your body, or there's pain in your body, begin to check it out. Begin to look, begin to taste and see. And if the pain has lifted up, if the pain is gone, quickly you lift up your hand and wave it at me, just very quickly check it out. And if you know there's a significant difference, wave your hand. We've got one over there, just wave it. If the pain is lifted, it's completely gone. So one person, who else? Just very quickly, if you know that God's done something in your body, Lift up your hands and wave at me. Anybody else? Very quickly. Check it out. Check it out again. Just check it out right now. God's healing people right now. Begin to move your neck. Begin to do something. And if you know the pain is lifted or it's completely gone, 
just wave your hand at me one more time. We've got one first already. Where else? Can we celebrate that 